Hello and welcome to the Spaceship Earth. Uh, my name's Dan Burgess. The concept of the Spaceship Earth is simple. We're living on a life-giving planet, uh, hurtling through space, a bit like a spaceship. We have a finite amount of supplies and an intelligent operating system which keeps everything replenished, as long as we all use it wisely. So, an understanding of how this system works, along with deep cooperation between humans, is essential to keep us and the spaceship flying. So in this podcast series, uh, I'm having conversations with folks who are responding to the needs of Spaceship Earth, involved in healing and restoring, raising awareness and consciousness, and reimagining how we can live more beautifully through creativity, ideas, collaborations, new forms of business, and more. I'll be talking to artists, photographers, entrepreneurs, writers, designers, activists, healers, creative mavericks, and many more. In this episode and continuing the ocean theme, I'm really excited to share a conversation with the really inspiring Eski Britain. Eski is a true pioneer, uh, an internationally renowned big wave professional surfer, a scientist, an academic, social activist, and an artist um, from Donegal in Ireland. She's, um, she's actually named after a surf break. How awesome is that? Her parents taught her to surf when she was about four years old and her life has revolved around the ocean ever since. We talk about a ton of stuff with some focus on her light water platform, the journey from big wave pro surfer to setting up and running a surf school project in Iran exploring gender issues through surfing and ocean connection. We talk about the challenge in today's society through a disconnection from the natural world, the links between the environment and our health. We talk a bit about the contrast of living in kind of modern, constructed and controlled environments which shape so much of how we live now and how that contrasts with being in the ocean or more wild and unpredictable environments. We explore a bit our relationship with water, not just the ocean but our own inner source. Uh, we talk a bit about burning out through activism and how to look after ourselves and connect with our wider communities. We talk a bit about the interconnectedness of ocean health and human health and making the ocean more seen and heard in our lives and loads more. It was a real pleasure to connect with Eski and I really hope you enjoyed the session. Hello. How's it going? Great I'm... to reconnect. <laughs> Yay! I know. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it has done. I was um I was just trying to I was just trying to figure that out actually. Um and I think it's yes, yeah, it'd be about two years ago. I think. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause where are you now? Yeah, I'm in Galway at, at the university. So ah. we're back on campus. Yeah, because the last time, I think when we Skyped, I think you'd just been in Papua New Guinea. And I think you were in, I think you yep. were either in, was it New Zealand or Australia? Yeah. And I, I was up yeah. a mountain yeah. in Italy. 16. So, yeah, exactly. About exactly two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I know. Continuing on that trajectory, though. But, yeah, a lot, a lot has changed, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's sort of it, stuff just continues to unfold as it does. And uh, I've got a couple of streams of work <laughs> coming on, as I said, which I was keen to just um, 
um, be able to, you know, just to share w- w- with you to get your thoughts. And then at the same time, because a lot of change has been going on in my world, I've been, mm-hmm. I'm uh, in the spirit of the podcasting revolution that's occurring. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was dabbling a bit last year and I thought, well, actually, I'm going to start, I'm going to start building now this podcast series as an experiment. Um and um, and try and combine, you know, combine the sort of the inquiries that I'm kind of going on in my kind of work and generally with uh, with being able to kind of, you know, create some some audio artifacts to sort of put out into the world. Because I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, I'm sure you're doing. I'm always thinking, well, actually, you know, these 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 conversations, there's this yeah. they're rich and there's lots of learning and there's lots of sort of ideas and and questions that I'm sure others. Well, I know others also um, appreciate. So, um so yeah, so so hence this is my new podcast it's called the Spaceship Earth. Mm, uh, I love the concept. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have a concept. Um, so uh, so yeah, and I and um, and I say, and you know, there's a little bit of stuff going on around um, this this piece of work that I'm doing around uh, ocean literacy as it's as it's being framed, um, mm. which I was curious about. But I also just want, as I say, I was I, what I really wanted to also just just to. Because I, you know, I sort of see how you know your 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 work unfolding, and um, you know, and you're quite regularly, you know, being interviewed and writing and whatever. And I was just, you know, I was really curious about um, some of the stuff you're doing. I guess maybe more now under your new your your frame of of like water as well, um, and just yeah. yeah, just understanding a bit about that. So I so I had so I had a sort of I had a kind of rough sort of you know. I mean, still in a in a very emergent sense, but I did have a sort of bunch of bunch of sort of questions. Um, so I wondered whether we could just like do a piece on on these things and see, and, yeah. see, and see where it gets us. I'm sure it will. I'm sure. We'll, I'm sure we'll go <laughs> on. So you can probably start with like one or two questions and we'll fill an hour. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. Um, but is that all right? Does that sound okay? Yeah, it sounds brilliant, Dan. It's great. It's exactly where I'm at right now. I mean, both like literally physically. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, it'd be great to share what's current in my life, you know, rather than having to dredge up. I mean, it, it obviously, it's it's the influence of my whole life journey so far. But it's mm. great to sort of, I'm really excited to dive into this stuff. Great. Yeah, we'll see what comes up rather than having to, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Repeat stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know? It's, yeah, no, no, cool. it's good. So, um, okay, so, I mean, I guess I was going to start, if I can, um, because I say, I, I, what, 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 you know, there's a, you, you, there's a lot of kind of your thinking and your projects are sort of out there in the world. and But I, I wanted to start with really, because um, I think it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say that you're, you're, you're a bit of a mashup, right? <laughs> And uh, and, I, and I say that as from someone who also sort of feels like they're a bit of a mashup uh, in terms of, of of what they do. But I guess, you know, you do many things, right? Um, you know, uh, a lot of people know you for your for your surfing and the big wave surfing. But you're a you know you're a scientist, you're an artist, you're an academic, you're a social activist. You've 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 founded not for profits. You've made films. You've explored mm-hmm. loads of work around groundbreaking work around gender and gender equality and gender issues. And I guess I guess at the heart of it all though is what sort of connects it all is is the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I guess I, I, I think that's obviously and there's there's a ton of there's so much in that and in your journey, but um. But just to kick off, what that whole idea of this sort of all these different pieces to to your work and your life, how how do you how do you sit with all of that now? And and has that has that been um, 
is that challenging, I guess? I guess I, I'm, I'm curious because I know like, you know, in my own experiences, sometimes folks are like, well, you do this and you do that and you've got this and there's that. And, and sometimes I found that sort of slightly um, frustrating, but I just wondered how, where, you, you know, you feel, it seems to me that that's a sort of, a very kind of um, sort of solid place for you right now. But I'd love to know a bit more about, about that sort of multiple. Yeah, no, it's something I think about lots and I've been exploring loads. Like, um, you know, increasingly we, we see that there's sort of these more, um, I guess, multifaceted lives. And, and truth be told, I think we all play multiple roles. And it seems like on paper, you when you just wrote <laughs> that list that uh, you'd have to be a crazy person, you know, to be doing all those things. But I don't see any of them. I, instead of being defined by what it is that I I do. It's kind of like you said. It's more. It's the cons being really rooted or connected with that thread that links them mm. all, and that's this passion for the ocean that's just been a constant for me since like forever. Um, and so that really kind of helps keep me grounded. And then I feel like all oh, those other things are just ways of um, giving more creative expression to that. And for me, I'm the kind of person who really wants to explore in lots of different ways. Like I think I, I couldn't deal with just being stuck in, in one mindset, like in the academic. Um, and then I feel like to ba feel balanced that I also need to indulge in the artist or the explorer or mm -hmm. the, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of mediums for me to explore or express the same thing, which what really lights me up is when it gets down, down to it all is that that human connection or relationship with our environment and especially like water and the sea. Um, so yeah. And for me personally, that's been an experience, you know, something that I want to explore at a personal level, but then I'm also seeing that actually this is a really big thing in the world. Yeah, right. right. And I, and uh, like I said, so this, you know, quite recently you've, you've started to pull a lot of your, of your work together um or, or at least it seems like um it seems that way you're starting to pull it together and and there's uh, this this kind of i guess this framing of 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 like water that you're that you've put out into the world um so i'm fascinated by that from this kind of this idea of you know this sort of spaceship earth perspective i'm sort of really interested mm -hmm. in in uh ways that i guess our wider sort of living systems and non-human worlds how how we can sort of re-engage people in that through a sort of deeper understanding i guess of of what it is to be human and and the possibilities that come from that that sort of connections or reconnections i guess so tell me about the light water project and sort of you know why, why you're landing it now and yeah uh i could probably fill, fill an hour <laughs> with all the <laughs> reasons why it's come about and and why now is why now is interesting one too because yeah because we've been talking it, it you know it sounds like well i've really got my shit together now and i'm really focused on like what it is i want to do but like, this doesn't happen overnight no. and it'll change right um so i definitely went through um i guess it's kind of in the last five years it's really been shaping up and a turning point was probably around the time of like well 2013 was a defining year for me because that was the year i got invited to give them the TEDx talk in Dublin, and I just remember being really struck then with about being invited and sort of my initial reaction being, goodness, like what, what, could, what do I have that's worth telling? You know, like what, what is that? What is that story or message? I was given this opportunity to um, have such an incredible platform, and it was a chance for me to really dig into why I'm doing what I'm doing and pull together, and I guess. Um, both find my own voice and and my own what my story is you know what story it is that I, I want mm -hmm. to tell um, 
And so really having to distill the essence of that in a very focused way, like in less than 15 minutes on a yes, <laughs> yeah, TEDx talk. That's, that's a, that's helps a you sharpen, sharpen um, And then since then, it's it's been, um, I guess, that kind of set the course in a way. It was a chance to sort of set down my own blueprint when it comes to this, um, where I'm at right now around nature connection, ocean and human health and all of that, which I'm sure we'll get into. Mm. Um, and it was also the year that I kind of I went back to Iran and it was the first time that um, I went surfing there with um, some, some Iranian women. Um, and we made that documentary Into the Sea. That was, um, that was 2010, that, wasn't it? Was that, was that originally? Well, I spent 10, but we didn't really connect right. with anyone. Um, just myself and Marion and but it's 2013 was the turning point really there in the story because that's when Mona and Shala came on board and these young Iranian sportswomen and so they kind of shaped the future surfing history I suppose of of, her, of their country by coming along and, and being sort of like the pioneering first surfers of Iran Amazing. <laughs> um, you know and, and kind of that trust we all had in each other to sort of enter this complete unknown but through that whole journey there like that sort of in a way how like water has evolved from that experience so my relationship with the sea and surfing totally shifted by seeing it in that context in somewhere like Iran and the impact it could have to I suppose the potential of how it could be used differently um, as a way to open up these spaces uh, and create possibilities for people to connect across so-called barriers and I suppose that connective mm. force. Had you, had you sent, have you, had you sort of sensed that uh, it will really was it was it as quite a breakthrough kind of seeing this thing happening in front of you which is what you i'm just sort of curious as that that whole you, yeah. know, you talk a lot about you know creating spaces within you know uh, the ocean context to sort of explore you know break down barriers explore new possibilities so i'm just curious how have you always sort of sensed that or or the possibility with that yeah, it was kind of like this moment on the beach in Iran um, where it was like this remembering, you know, it's like everything we're seeking, I think we just already have. Yeah. It's almost either of that, that remembering process of sort of like excavating through the layers of uh, <laughs> the almost the need to unlearn yes. and return to the beginner's mindset. And there was a perfect context for the beginner's mindset because um, it had never been done before. Like this was the first time surfing and kind of been a more formally introduced, I suppose. Um but, you know, so we're just learning how everything works and there, everything was, anything was possible. Um, rather, seeing it that way rather than it maybe seeming all impossible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it only depends on your lens. But I, I guess I realized that, no, this is something I get, I've always known and felt. But then through, I just come through, I guess, a period of um, traveling the world solo a lot, but being much more in the competitive surf world, um, you know, the sponsored kind of rider. Um, and being quite, I suppose at that stage, maybe disillusioned with that way of being in the world, like feeling like, oh, I need to, we need to go a lot deeper here yeah. and, and wrap it. That must be quite an interesting journey to go on though, because I'm, I'm guessing, you know, there's, there's, you know, at the start of moving into a professional capacity in something like surfing, I'm imagining at the start, I could be completely wrong here, but I'm imagining, you know, it must be pretty incredible uh, to be sort of seeing your progress and 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 traveling and 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 being amongst all these all this sort of talent and it, I guess it must be yeah and then and then like you say something mm. shifts something starts to change yeah and it was kind of around you know uh 
yeah, that sort of transition that happens maybe when you move out of your early 20s into your, your mid mid to later 20s as well. And so it's where I was at maybe in the life cycle. But it's funny because then I, I had kind of forgotten, but like that whole um, disease capacity, I suppose, to connect and heal mm-hmm. um, was something that was very kind of deeply instilled in me from such a young age. And I kind of, had my mom sort of reminded me then um, how... I was like 10 years old. I grew up in Rasnaila, this this beach in Donegal on the west coast of Ireland. And my, I guess, I'd been very aware when I was younger of the whole Chernobyl children, that there's a Chernobyl children's project, a charity mm-hmm. in Ireland, um, who, after the Chernobyl disaster, nuclear disaster, um, it's run by a woman called A.D. Roach. Um, and she was quite, you know, kind of actively campaigning at the time. And uh, but anyways, what they did was they they bring kids. They were even then bringing kids over to Ireland uh, for the restorative benefits of being in a healthy environment, like breathing fresh air and being by the coast. And and so I met some of these kids who were the same age as me. Um, a lot of them kind of suffering from various illnesses or cancers, and um, just being struck by the impact for them of being in what I had sort of grown up in and taken for granted and then taking them to the sea um, at my beach and just for some of them to see the sea the first time and and then I you know took them surfing on one of their visits um, so even then and there I guess I was already yes. doing it yeah um, and yeah just just that kind of connection that happened I think when you're when you're young and when you're a kid you really intuitively already know yeah. this stuff and then some more along the way it gets a bit lost yeah why is that it's crazy isn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly well. we, won't, we won't start with that one because uh, <laughs> i'll end up ranting probably um yeah so um and i guess it, it was so i kind of set it up just last year and in one level it's simply like my own sort of sandbox to be creative and experiment beyond the confines of being in i suppose being in academia um and just being able to creatively, more creatively explore in a way these these things around the impact of being in the water, um, and especially from like a woman's perspective. And so there's different different kind of elements mm. to it. And also as a way for me to, I suppose it was a maturing of what had started in Iran, and we created a charity there at that time around 2013 called Waves of Freedom. And its purpose was really to help facilitate the the growth and development of surfing in in whatever way was needed so initially by just providing equipment and the training and and so it's essentially to raise funds for that um and to continue to support women's Mm. surfing in particular obviously um but then i I kind of i guess i learned so much from that and from those women i thought god there's this really translates on a much bigger scale and combined with that and a longing for myself to sort of reconnect with ireland and be home more i thought i I think there's a real need to bring some of this Mm. back like i'm all the way here in the edge in iran and it's amazing but they're also doing their own thing in their own way and i think i need to yeah it was part of my own homecoming in a way and then a way for me to sort of get a bit clearer on what my own philosophy is around this my version of sea connection i suppose mm. it's interesting even on just as you're talking even on the i just started thinking about yeah you know t- learning to surf and how it, how you're taught and all that kind of stuff and i was even just thinking even just from my own experiences and also even now just watching my kids going to, you know going to kind of surf lessons whenever we get out to the ability to do that and but I, i'm sort of curious about that because that, that still seems at least in my experience to be very kind of focused on the the skills of surfing mm-hmm. you know? um and, and and I'm sure there's there's great people all over the world who are sort of widening that into a more deeper connection. But it still seems a little bit sort of uh, uh, almost affected by the way a lot of our sort of education works. 
Um, yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that's huge. That was one of the biggest takeaways for me being in Iran and initially being limited by the simply because you don't have surfboards or whatever. So having to create a more collaborative sharing environment, anyways, for learning, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then that playfulness and kind of enthusiasm and curiosity everyone had because it was so new and novel and um uh it was it was i was keen to explore okay how, how might it be done differently like we don't have to do it the way it's always been done. so taking a step back and kind of remembering what it was like for me to learn how to mm. surf and it wasn't it was more on learning how to understand the ocean and and playing in the waves even with ice surfboard because getting your hands on a surfboard is like gold dust anyways they were you know yeah. to make do with whatever bits and pieces you could find to float on um before you kind of grew yeah. into it um yeah so that that was kind of like they like water came about from a program i developed with another iranian woman called shireen Girami um in iran and it, we called it be like water um and it was really as an approach for women and girls to ex- who wanted to experience surfing for the first time but to create this safe and trusting space and focusing a lot more on that feeling and relationship with water and the waves and the intention really was to challenge those more just dominant modes which surfing has learned which is a lot more on the technique and the performance and the um it's just a much more essentially a much more masculine way of, of breaking it all down into its parts and steps and yeah. <laughs> rather than being much more fluid and connective and, and immersive so um and then when we kind of approached it that way it led to this really profound kind of connection with the body and breath and water um that really helped uh, i guess enhance that sense of um uh, uh yeah connection really with 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 our own selves and in our own bodies but also with each other and then that the trusting that uh, being able to build that trust amongst each other so that we went into the sea and the surf um there was already that connection with water in the waves you know so there wasn't it was a brilliant way to overcome fear and things like that it's fascinating and so because when you when you're talking mm-hmm. about that and the connection and trust and, all kinds of, and it just makes me think of yeah it's making me think not you know just working with groups of people and you know not talking yeah. about gender and not even in the ocean it's just like it feels like you know so i guess this is what's exciting for me, is this sort of this sort of feels like this is part of a, a, a much bigger kind of uh shift that's sort of you know we're seeing sort of signals and signs of um in in multiple ways really about how how we may sort of think of ourselves as humans and our relationships to the non-human world and um i saw it as something you were talking about recently yeah. about um you know in terms of when you're looking at sort of the gender the gender equality work you've been but also recently when we look more broadly at what's going on with gender and i think i think you said something like you know it's, it's sort of it's deeper than just sort of gender alone it's more about we're coming more to the feminine you know which is much more about our relationships to to environment to nature to ourselves to others so I'm curious about that yeah i kind of i wrote a piece recently um along that because um finisterre i'm an ambassador for now i've just they've launched this women's wetsuit tester program which i think is a great approach to like creating a product that's supposed to be you know like functional and designed for women in, in a cold water environment that the actually starting point is let's get the input mm. <laughs> from their experience in in these environments and, and understand what what their needs are and how, how this is going to work so i think that that's that's a really cool approach but it's also a space to have a conversation yeah of, of what our role is in within surfing in terms of like how we see ourselves how we're seen by others and 
obviously how that gets portrayed in, in the media and stuff. Um, and and just this idea, I suppose, when you go to, it was kind of sparked by going to, say, surf film festivals, or indeed probably if you go to any film festival, but how few there of the films or edits were made, you know, by by women um, or, or featured women in them, especially in the context of, I suppose, cold water surfing. And so this sort of invisibility, even though, like I said, the audience and the crowd it would be over 50% women watching it, and so they all had the connection with yes, this right. That was reflected, and I think the storytelling is different, obviously, as a result, you know, and um, and it kind of persists within that more adventure, uh, sport, adventure tourism world as well, where it's this idea of, um, you know, like conquering the mountain or slaying dragons, um, almost this domination over nature, when in actual fact, I think it's a lot more in, in those situations of challenge. It's to do with... Um, so there's a lot more, much more what are considered more feminine qualities, you know, so that they, in order to commit to taking off on a, on a huge big wave, it's actually a lot more to do with being how present and self-connected you are in the moment. Um, it's about how you're taking all that sort of energy and information into all of your senses. And then ultimately it's that like that letting go moment, that, which is a surrender to this force that's greater than yourself and tapping, yeah, becoming part of that. So it's, it's um, I, I just felt like that's that's the reality of experience for so many people men and women but it's not very very rarely portrayed in the storytelling um and then the other aspect is too it's not just as simple as uh you know creating say gender quotas or that i was trying to unpack like why and i think a lot of it is to do as well with with how we um why why we surf and how we socialize and and you know to begin with if there are fewer women we tend to just um surf a lot more by ourselves because um, we're trying to fit it in around work and the rest of our lives and and then a lot of these sort of trips that happen the opportunities to sort of document surfing tend to be very well they're just like very much lads road yeah. trips like if you're the only woman in the, in the local creed not to get invited <laughs> a lot <laughs> you know for again for all those you know gender-based reasons um and so it was how could we create again create a space where it's more supportive um and allows us to dive more deeply into, um, instead of trying to copy the way of telling these stories, like find our own stories. So that was the motivation to really bring that storytelling telling element into like mm. water. So what's a woman's perspective and experience of water and the impact it has on her life and, and then creating even workshops around that. So at Shore Shots, which is that uh, surf film festival in Ireland, we have a creative storytelling workshop that I run for women. Um, which is, is really fun just to share some of the, I guess, tools and approaches I take to how, how we tell stories. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amazing. I think there's, um, when you talk about, you know, the, you know, the woman, a woman's relationship with water and, and I'm just sort of thinking about water anyway, a lot at the moment <laughs> with a bunch of stuff. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's interesting, I guess, is from an ocean perspective, you know, the, the plastic pollution, uh, noise and energy and awareness is I think is is you know is 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 um is obviously starting to raise consciousness uh, in some ways and I guess I'm talking about from a the, the perspective of the UK and um but I think you know it, it, the ocean uh, the ocean is you know it's in it's in the it's in the press pretty much every every day at least at the moment and um <clears throat> there's something going on but I guess we're we are sort of creatures of water really aren't we and it's sort of, sort of as, as you start to unpack the kind of facts of the reality of our relationship with water in the ocean and you know the every second breath 
idea and you know and and that you know the majority of the planet is water and it's actually a blue planet not a not an earth and, and all these kind of things and i guess it's just it's, it's it's fascinating for me for particularly for folks who aren't living on coasts or aren't spending huge amounts of time mm. in the water um mm -hmm. but what you know some you know i think this leads into your obviously your work around around sort of health and well-being but what what are you know these impacts of, of just being near water um and, and how that's you know how that has you know the, the potential i guess in 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 having or in sort of uh, forming new relationships between humans and the ocean and and maybe water more broadly yeah but it, it's it's a really exciting space to be in right now and i think you know sort of the research or science and evidence around it is, is really um really growing it's kind of a playing catch-up i suppose to what we, those of us who are sort of ocean-minded or sea-connected already kind of intuitively already know and feel. Um, but uh, yeah, so within the Near Health Project, you kind of get to dive into that more deeply. And especially with my area, I look, I'm looking at blue spaces, so water environments. Tell me about um, the Near Health. Tell, tell us about what it is, what, what, it, what it's about. And... Yeah. Um, so it's, again, so Near Health, it's a project uh, funded by in Ireland by the Environmental Protection Agency and the Health Service. So it's interesting to see like yeah, those two that. guys create and actually have that conversation. Yeah, and finally I kind of waking up to how the environment and the healthy environments are really interconnected with human health. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's like, um, really? Um, this was it was it was it um I was it William Burr was it, it was the natural health service he used to he used to coin, I think, the phrase. Um, which is, which was a nice uh, a nice way of sort of thinking about this stuff. But yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, there's, there's a real sort of body of work emerging around it. You know, as colleagues of ours in the UK are doing a lot and, and across Europe and the rest of the world. But um, so within that, again, it's again looking at how you create spaces that facilitate nature connection for health and well-being in, in different ways. And we're trying to understand that at the community level in Ireland. So people's perceptions of what nature means to them um, and what it means to be healthy. So rather than coming in saying, OK, this is you know a more prescriptive kind of role we're trying to open up an, a deeper understanding of, of how how people experience nature in the outdoors in ireland and then looking at what the links are especially the restorative benefits um and yeah just basically how people value and connect with it and also the better understanding of the barriers to like what's what's stopping people from engaging mm. with the outdoors um, and nature more why is there that disconnect and then also at the same time what's what are the bridges so what's enabling people to to connect and get out there and it's starting to take shape now and, what are you finding um, out what are you finding out well, there's some headlines it's probably not rocket science but it's good to understand in the context um i guess you know there's things that we, we do so we know being outdoors and being in nature is good for us but we don't know like what got you know what kind of nature how long for what what dose do we need um does you know what what activity do we do is it just being in the sea or is it actually that activity of surfing that has an added you know, effect and um and then the restoration you know the restorative qualities so it's kind of starting to better understand the different um qualities and aspects and the impact it has and at a more nuanced level but essentially like in terms of barriers they're kind of ones that are 
um, very much linked, I suppose, to people's perceptions. You know, there's this real difference kind of emerging perhaps between urban and rural and an assumption that if you live out, you know, in the countryside that you're more connected or have more access to these areas. And in Ireland, actually, it's really tricky because of, you know, land ownership and like actual barriers, like, mm-hmm. you know, barbarian yeah, right. fences. Can't get, can't even get difficult in. to get to some surf bricks and yeah, and then dangerous roads. And, and then in urban settings, this sort of kind of, in a way, misperception of what nature is. So thinking it's something that's out there rather than all around us. So therefore, you can't seek it in these more urban environments. But then the interesting thing is like, well, what what's sort of um, helping people to connect more? And it's definitely through, um, it's interesting to see the impact of these more sort of social events mm-hmm. and the kind of organization at a community level. So things like one of our case studies um, is with beach cleanups. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Ireland, they're like facilitated by Clean Coasts, and they have this huge network of over like 600 coastal care community groups. Um, and that's really interesting to look at that as a way for people to connect with with nature, because they kind of sign up and do this activity. And and um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting to see that that a huge part of it is the the social benefit and interaction we get out of it as well. Like the, the relationships that get formed and um, in unexpected kind of ways. And then you're doing something like a beach cleanup. So it's this sort of environmental activity, <clears throat> purpose to clean up beach. And yet then we're seeing now that it actually has this impact on, on um, our sense of well-being and health and mood and um, community connectedness mm. and things like that. Yeah, I guess that's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I've, in, you know, I've got a history of doing quite a bit of work with the, the kids and nature disconnection in, in, uh, yeah. and, um, yeah, you know, this sort of participation, finding ways to participate, to, to, to find connection that through a more social activity or, a, um, so not only sort of making that more connection to the kind of non-human world, but also sort of, you know, interacting with others in it around you that you probably had no idea. Um, mm. and you know, it, it, it's sort of really interested in these, uh, these ways of, yeah, of, of how, how do we become more participative in the world and, and also through that, you know, discover and reconnect through these new relationships with the living world. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think this health, the health sort of, I love these, these mashups, the sort of environmental protection agency and the health <laughs> service. You think, yeah, you know what I mean? It just makes total sense. Um, it's, it sort of draws me yeah. as well to, if I sort of think back to the sea. Uh, or the ocean, as I'm told, it is the ocean. It's one ocean. It's not oceans, and you shouldn't say sea. Apparently, that's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> I think um, I guess there's a couple of questions here. But the one, um, the one around, I guess, which build is is part of the work you're doing. But around, you know, the like the, the work that's been done on blue minds and the impacts mm, on, our, yeah. on our kind of, um, you know, on our kind of mental health and well-being, and then. Um, you know, these blue zones in, in parts of the world where, you know, people are living um, very near to the ocean and obviously they're eating more plant-based diets, but, they, you know, they're, they're living longer, richer lives. And, and it sort of feels like there's all this, you know, there's, a, you know, this stuff, again, it's like you say, it's, it's, not, it's not new. It's been sort of around. I mean, we've known it probably as, as humans back in, you know, for, for thousands of years back in, in terms of we're probably way more connected. But um, wh- why is it, um, why now do you think, that it's that the interest is rising oh well um i think because we need a response to being at a crisis <laughs> point across the board um and i don't think we can stay in a place of of uh continuing that story of 
this artificial separation between ourselves and our environment mm. any longer. You know, it's because it's catching up with us. You know, a case in point, we've, we've with the going back to the plastics issue. You know, it's kind of just horrifying to think that because of our you know behaviors of consumption and, and attitudes and this throwaway kind of culture that it's we're now you know we've got these you know microplastics that were that's in our drinking mm. water so essentially we are gone full circle and are consuming yeah. our own waste um, yeah. it's not so pretty, is it? <laughs> um and if that isn't proof for our you know interconnectedness of humans and, and the environment and the ocean i don't yeah. know what is so it's it's a real indicator, I suppose, of how entangled we are, and that's a wake-up call then. Because I think also why environment and health. Um, I think it, when it starts to hit home more personally, and and it there is more of a response. So if it has an impact on our health. It's one of our sort of core values that we have in terms of what we consider to be our well-being. Um, then then people start to also wake up a bit more. <laughs> And, and the issue has been too, instead of, I find with the approach of the Near Health Project as well, it's been much more of a, like a positive framing um, to get at these issues that have otherwise seemed quite overwhelming or very negative, you know, um, and people switch off. So it's how do you create that emotional connection? And I think when you sort of come at it from that approach of thinking about health, and it allows us to look at what it means to be healthy in a different way too, which is really needed. Um, then people are, yeah, it just, it just lends itself to more, I guess, more innovative ways of looking at mm. the challenges and framing it from a sort of well-being perspective rather than this doom and doom yeah. scenario of, you know, <laughs> too late. And what, and what does it mean to be healthy, would you say now? You know, this is there a, a sort of re, a reframing of that or, or a widening of that? What, what's, what, what, tell me a bit more about that. Um... Well, I think increasingly people are seeing that it's it's much more holistic um, and it's, you know, it's really multifaceted. And in terms of, I guess, our physical and psychological health and how how interwoven they are um, and also about our, I guess, the context of, of where we are, like how we live. So those choices that we make in our lives and in where we live, it's definitely um how the environment shapes who we are so this realization that it's not just us kind of shaping the environment to our will but it's also <laughs> having this influence on, on how we're able to live our lives and increasingly that's what we're seeing obviously if you look at um the climate you know, climate change and being one example um of just of having to to respond now um yeah yeah it's like um there's something about this um you know for me, when I think of the ocean and I think of my experiences um, and I think about some of the, you know, the issues that we're sort of facing in this kind of highly developed modern society. Um, but there's something about being in the ocean, about, you know, which, you know, I mean, anyone who spends time in the sea knows, which is that, you know, you can't control the environment that you're in. You know, it's um, it's constantly mm. changing. Uh, it's unpredictable. Um, it's yeah, it's never the same. Um, and there's something about that, and it's from my own personal experience. Is, is what you know. That's my one of my big connections is because I find that's that's a one of the only places where I can find presence and uh, and stillness in many ways because um, because I'm awake. I'm you know I'm I'm conscious of this ever shifting environment. It makes me think about on land um, and particularly you know I do a lot of work in cities and. 
sort of highly mm. constructed and controlled environments, which let's face it, is most of our sort of <laughs> systems, most of our institutional systems are are created or designed to be as controlled as they can be, you know, schools, offices, houses, hospitals, probably. So I'm kind of, what is going on there? Because my sense is, is that I tend to feel increasingly more alive in uncontrolled environments, whether that's the ocean, whether that's forests, whether, you know, places where there is some sense of change and shift and uncertainty. Um, but I'm sort of looking as well about how we, you know, most of us spend a huge part of our of our living uh, waking hours in these more controlled environments and i'm wondering what's the connection between that and also maybe some of this this kind of suffering and that we're seeing <laughs> um i don't know if you had any thoughts on that yeah it's it's um i think you're really hitting on something big and it, it kind of is really linked you know this these controlled environments that we've created um it sort of really feeds this sort of risk averse society that uh, we're also seeing. Um, and it's kind of always economically framed, right? right. Um, but it's interesting, I've done some workshops with um, with younger groups, you know, teenagers um, and kids. We were part of the Near Health Project. We had um, one of our case studies, a surf therapy program too, um, over over the summertime. There's a few things they said, it was, you know, trying to understand, well, like, why surfing? What is this that's draw that they have to, to the sea? And it's not also for everyone. Like, some other kids, they might, might prefer horse riding or it might actually be football. And, but for this particular group of kids, too, it was they didn't, weren't keen on the traditional sports that get offered typically in P at school or the team team sports. And this ability, I think, to be exactly that, to be in this environment that's... Um, that is unpredictable and constantly changing, but uh, as they kept saying, allows them to be fully who they are, to feel all of themselves, you know, because it's so um, just kind of, like you say, it's really um, enlivening and wakes all the senses because of the stimulus. It's like the sound and the smell and the movement. And they actually, these kids are all on the, the autism spectrum, but what they also really loved was the power and force mm. of the waves. So like feeling the wave, like hit their bodies. And uh, they got just more and more stoked, like the bigger. Yeah, <laughs> And then, and then with this group of sort of te teenagers um, at a secondary school just this week, and one of the girls, they, they had the chance to go try out surfing um, as part of their, gosh, as part of the school curriculum. What I would give them for that, but anyway. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good great. progress there. Good progress, right there. Yeah, that's progress. Um, but she commented on actually what one of the best things was was that it was so challenging, which I thought, wow, that's really mm. interesting. Like, yeah, you just you go out and you keep trying, you keep getting knocked down, but you feel really great about yourself after it because there's that sense of, um, I suppose that is it that self-actualization of that overcoming. Like I think when we are just beyond our comfort zone too, there's. Um, that's when the real sort of growth and learning and insight happens and with surfing too it's especially for young people and kids there's that real autonomous element to it because you are on your own like even if you're surfing with other people like when you're on that wave there's no one holding your hand really or with you you know um and so for that moment you you have to sort of figure out your yourself in your own world and yeah, yeah. It, it's really lovely, lovely to see. But then, as you say, with that the challenges and always has been, and I've seen it even in Iran, um, it can be so transformative. But then, how does that translate when you come back ashore? So, like the coming ashore part is is the real interesting um, and challenging. Yeah, <laughs> part the, of the, the return. Um. Uh, and how do you bring that to people who don't have access? Um, 
to you know the opportunities that we have to be able to like go down to the beach or to, to surf or get in the water or to be out in nature as you know as we see it um um have yeah you, uh, <laughs> you on that because um i was having some conversations and things uh recently and um looking um and I, and I and I don't know where I sit with all this stuff, but I've been intrigued by it um, of the sort of um, virtual technologies, um, mm. and so I guess the question of you know, yeah, there's seven and a half billion people, whatever we are on on the planet, and um, many yeah. of us are living in in cities and um, and urban places, and well, we, let, you know, let's just talk about the ocean, right? Because that's what we're talking about. But just in terms of that, you know, if you're not if that if you're not close to then you know the ocean is a sort of you know potentially a destination for you if you're if you're lucky but for many it won't even be that it'll just be a a thing um what have you thought about i mean are you coming across people now exploring things like vr and these kind of technologies and the, the possibility of being able to bring some of this benefits but through yeah well yeah because it's, it's not feasible nor is it sustainable i suppose to get people out to all these you know it wouldn't be pristine for very long if you had seven billion people tramping through it. And it's issues in Ireland we're having here. We had the Wild Atlantic Way kind of was this sort of huge tourism success story where they sort of mapped out the Atlantic coast of Ireland. Um, it, essentially, nothing changed. It was like we, we've always had that coastline, and all they did was sort of rebrand it, essentially. Um, and it, it's amazing in one level, but in another level, it's also now the issue is becoming. Um, you know, when you have so many people, say, at the cliffs of Mohair uh, or in sort of the burn landscape or these more vulnerable or sensitive environments, mm. um, how you want to promote people to go outdoors and connect with nature. But how do you make that interaction a positive one for both the environment and the people? And so colleagues of ours are actually looking at just that, this thing of the augmented reality and, and, and VR in the University of Exeter. And uh, there's a European Centre for the Environment and Human Health based there and they're I think primarily looking at it in the context of palliative care as well so um, how we can even get a restorative benefit from these sort of from being immersed virtually in in these sort of nature-based experiences um, and yeah I kind of find that fascinating how that, that I've done a few, few exercises is that, is that, is that... yeah yes. Was is the sort of one of the the founders of it? Um, amazing, um, amazing man and, and work that he does along with Laura Fleming, Professor Laura Fleming heads it mm. up now too. Uh, and Matt White is is another um, researcher who's done loads on on the sea and, and the benefits for health in the UK. Um, but what I've I've also found too, and I think it's what um, Wallace J Nichols writes about a lot in Blue Mind in terms of the psychology, like that simply visualizing ourselves in um, in nature or in water in the sea um, can have a profound effect on our whole sense of our well-being and our biochemistry and um, and our mood, and it's amazing because that's that's a technique that's been used loads um, with lead athletes um, for. Um, you know, enhancing performance in sport. And now it's actually can enhance your nature connection. Hmm. Amazing. <laughs> so I think it's also realizing that going back to water and how it's a metaphor, um, but also how literally we're we're made of water, you know, for well over 70% of our body is water, very similar to the earth. Um, and this notion, I suppose, that within our cells and our DNA and our blood, uh, it's the same makeup as salt water um, and that we have very... You know, we still have within us that capacity that we once had from our ancestors when we were in the mm -hmm. sea <laughs> to 
you know, to, to be underwater even. Um, and so I think we could learn a lot by also tapping into that. So this idea, I've just started to kind of explore more around inner waterscapes. So the sort of water systems within our bodies, wow. as well as the natural water system um, t- t- outside. Yeah, I'm just kind of been dabbling in it because um, I suppose it's part of my own sort of health and connecting more with my body after injury, especially last year. And I ended up working with this um, amazing woman, Rachel Hall, um, who's, yeah, she does, uh, she's like a Franklin Method educator. So essentially what they do is a lot of this sort of, um, again, using a lot of visualization, understanding of the biomechanics of the body. Um, it's almost like this sort of neuro-linguistic neuro approach to like body movement. Um, but also a lot of it is the embodiment of things in nature, of how water moves and tapping into that. And and when we, we're really passionate also about the ocean and marine conservation, so we've decided to sort of team up. <laughs> and um, we've created a workshop called Move Like Water. And um, it's sort of tap into it's just kind of an experiment really and it's aimed at women um who are working in that space um and kind of leadership or activist roles um with water in some way and i think when we're in those positions of like making social change happen or driving impact in the world we tend to also make, do a really poor job of like looking after our own health and well-being yeah, ironically <laughs> you know we sort of pushing hard for change and world that you can burn yourself out so it's how to as we're trying to heal the ocean how can we also be healed by the work we're doing um yeah so i'm not really sure where it's going to lead yet and i'm only beginning to learn about it i'm sure there's definitely people out there who know a lot more but that's the fun thing yeah meeting all right and great often the most <laughs> exciting work when you're not quite sure where it's going to go and um, yeah. um and i think that's right and again <clears throat> just sort of i think this yeah this sort of becoming more self-aware and you know yeah. as a, as a as a thing generally uh, you know again in the in, in i guess in my journey of the last decade and 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 the sort of networks i'm working within at the moment but it, you know you see this this you know this is even in the last i think in the last 18 months because even working on yourself even 18 months ago i think was still potentially sort of slightly sniffed at <laughs> you know um but it does feel like again there is um we're opening up um, or more folks are opening up to the realization of a, you know, of who am I and the, the need to work on ourselves in order to be able to go and do the work we mm. want to do in the world. And, 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 and I guess, you know, you're looking at, at, at water here and as there'll, there'll be other ways that people are working with, but yeah. And so I guess that's the thing, sort of seeing how learning from how the natural world works and how natural systems work and what can we take from that in our own practices is, um, feels like such an interesting, exciting and super like needed space, you know, um, for the kinds of shifts I think a, a lot of us are sort of hoping to see in the world. It, it just feels, it, I don't mm. know, I always come back to just, you know, it all starts with yourself, right? I know it's the old, it's a bit cliche, but it does feel like we've got to be working on ourselves along with these other things, otherwise. Um... Yeah, yeah, I think there's this real need for, uh, yeah, just to, to get real with it all, you know, to be a lot more honest about the process rather than, hey, is this really cool, shiny outcome? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, about, yeah, the, that need for 
I guess, a more radical authenticity of, of the work that we're doing and how we're doing it. And uh, for me too, it's also kind of related to this thing of when I think about nature connection and, and then I try to understand it from my own point of view. And then in particular as, as a woman, and, and I've been exploring this this just this last year too, this idea of our own inner cycles um, and how, you know, just there are so many cycles and rhythms that we live by maybe unconsciously and in every day in the world you know you've got like the, the lunar phase and, and then the seasons and the tide and um and then i find that what why are we designing our lives and our schedules kind of completely oblivious to that and wondering that when we push really hard why we're meeting resistance yeah. <laughs> i think it's because we're completely out of whack of, of how if we could start to mirror i suppose what i'm trying to say start to mirror our own sort of inner cycles and energy with what's going on in our environment um, and especially the natural environment yeah what impact would that have? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go there. I mean, I think I, I was, I, I was uh, chatting to someone recently about this, yeah, the construct of time and, you know, the fact that, you know, this the idea of mm. time and, you know, clocks and and we've, we've designed our entire world against this thing, which is just, again, another human invention, right? And uh, um, so could, you know, could we even see a, a time beyond that more to what you're talking about, I guess, designing more around programming yourself much more around uh, sort of different types of cycles, right? And... Uh, there's a, a colleague of mine who's doing some work with some some uh, some kids that are transitioning from primary to secondary around this concept of time. Because he said it's almost like they're, they're, they're moving from this kind of phase of where, as younger kids, they don't really have any concept of time, you know. Um, but they're moving really fast then into this culture where everything's going to be, you know, about time-based, you know, got to be here, clock-based, this, that. And, and yeah, and just, well, what's what's that all about? You know, and, and is... You know what I mean? Because these things, I see again. I mean, they're all interconnected, right? But the, the, this kind of this sort of mechanic, mechanistic, I guess, existence <laughs> around the clock is uh, does also feel sort of like it's um, it's wobbling quite severely. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too, because going back, I guess, to the research, it, you know, it comes up time and time again when you ask people what like barriers. It's uh, time. Don't have right. time. Um, if you don't have time to go out and like breathe some fresh air, then something's wrong. But it's it's sort of again, it's not time itself. It's it's our yeah, how we perceive it. And um, and for a lot of people, it's this yeah. And I, I wonder too. There's there's really interesting work, and people are looking at it in different ways. And one just comes to mind now is a woman called Katie Bowman, I think, and she wrote um, this book published recently called Movement Matters. Um, she's she's really interesting in her approach to I think she came from a more sort of like um physical science background around you know say biomechanics and physiotherapy and but her ideas you know how we move sort of with and through our environment in our daily lives and rather than it being this thing like we have so many things that we feel like we need to add on like if you're check off like a checklist but she has this idea of how can you integrate it into sort of the core tasks that we do need to do every day so that it doesn't become this extra but it just becomes integral so you know if if, if we could bring in more like say foraging food mm -hmm. foraging and it's amazing how you can do that even in more urbanized right. areas it's possible even on the campus here at NY Galway, we have an incredible gardener um, who she's kind of really tuned into the seasons as well. But when I first came on campus, it was around April. So there was all this like wild garlic. Um, and then she has all these sort of wild you know, berries everywhere too when we head into autumn. And but So foraging is a great yeah. example where, you, especially with say you've got kids and you need to get them outdoors or get them exercised you want to have time with them. You need to get food for the dinner yeah. and you need to get your dose of nature and be 
the active that ticks all those boxes and you know um but she kind of has a lot of these real sort of down-to-earth examples that are, seem a lot less overwhelming and accessible so so how, how we think about it differently and how do you get people you know how do you create that shift when these patterns are so ingrained you know even if like i'm saying this now but like how often do i go far <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, it's not great it's not great this time of year in this country but it, it does get better around um sort of spring and, and definitely autumn summer and autumn um but yeah, I, I guess you're right. It's 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 it's, it's, it's these hacks, isn't it? Um, into mm-hmm. into our lives. How do you integrate in in um, these kind of moments in? Whether it's yeah, you know. It, it is more. Do you think what you know is like? Oh, like everyone must know this. But actually, it is about just where get back to the awareness part, and that was kind of highlighted with this whole like plastics. Um, sort of the anti-plastic news that kind of was hit the media. And this last you know, week or so, which is really exciting to see, but how it was this sort of new wow thing around, oh, I never thought about um, my coffee cup that way before, or where a plastic straw ends up, or the how much marine litter there actually is. And you know, it's, it's I've been so conscious of it for so long because I'm immersed sure. in that environment, like in every day, and then I realize, oh, this isn't common knowledge. So we need to, again, it goes back and you talk about ocean literacy, which is the the education and awareness part. So how do we become more, a more ocean literate society? Um, and in Ireland, especially being an island nation, it's it's kind of incredible that um, it's not more ingrained. You know, and I always thought, well, we learn we learn the safe cross code, but we don't learn water safety. You know, when we're in, in primary school as, as young kids. So how, how can we sort of, I suppose, in a way, mainstream that more? And it's a lot of it too is the cultural context and this, fear too we hold around water yeah and i guess i guess and then it again it sort of goes up to the a little bit at least my hypothesis is also just you know the, you know the dominant system which is more you know separated from nature mechanistic logical extractive um you know what i mean so even the the, the, the sort of learning learning curriculums are sort of less about systems and you know um they're more about resource or you know nature as resource or i mean on the ocean literate thing it, you know for me, it still blows my mind. Is is just is is just even the simple idea of, of of the oceans generating, you know, pretty much half the oxygen that we breathe. I mean, more than yeah, right. Yeah, but that's just yeah. not, you know, that's not most people. That's like what you know. It's, I thought it was a rainforest, you know, because we were sort of we're kind of mm-hmm. interested to believe the lungs of the world. You know what I mean? Was the rainforest? And, but I, I don't know what I mean. This this ocean literate thing. I mean, what in, you know? What does what does that mean to you? It, this whole idea of being ocean literate. How would you? What is that? Mm-hmm. Good question. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because I've asked, I've been asking people about it as well. And I think so actually maybe the, one of the barriers, perhaps even in a language. So I know when, when when I first sort of bring up the concept with people and then they just hear the word like literacy. And I guess because it's maybe to do with like schooling. Eyes <laughs> um, glaze. That they immediately think it's, well, it's A, something it's academic or difficult or you have to you know it, it's it's almost like a it feels like more inaccessible yeah. um i i asked my kids that when i when i first started working so i said yeah what was what's ocean literacy and they sort of looked at me and they both went litter in the ocean uh, <laughs> i was like yeah there's a definitely there's definitely a communication problem here with this language um mm. But I think I don't think I don't think we need to get hung yeah. up on that. Then it is about actually what does matter is how we communicate it. So um, what I do like about the concept is that it's like how do we read um, the ocean? And and I realized um, you know that was a skill set I was exposed to as a kid, 
was you know it wasn't learning how to surf it was really learning how to observe and notice and read the ocean and and then the whole sort of weather system and the wind and all all these kind of patterns both at a, a local and then sort of at a bigger uh, global or meteorological scale and and so a lot of what it's finding those kinds of ways it's like bringing that into something where it's like not quite by stealth but you know we if we're encouraged how could it be integrated into something like when learning to surf and it's actually about it's about you also learning first and foremost actually about the ocean and ocean knowledge and i can see the impact that that's had say somewhere like iran um with introducing surfing there and it creates this connection to that environment that didn't exist before or at least you know, in a different way um where people feel this direct benefit from being in the sea and then there's just that appreciation and it sort of naturally lended itself then to that enhanced ocean awareness and then self-organizing all these beach cleanups and so they're fully on board like with two-minute beach clean and i constantly get photos sent on whatsapp of like the local um community there um beach cleans being a part of like any time they go surf there's an organized beach clean it's yeah. incredible yeah, so it's maybe those kind of. I think it's it, what excites me about it is that there's, it opens a space for so many creative um, possibilities and you know, being a lot more innovative with it yeah. and um, yeah, and, and especially for young people. Do you have a sense of? Um, I'm just sort of curious as like, if you, what would a what would an ocean literate culture look like or feel like if if that you know if there was this. This ability to, like you say, read read the ocean almost, and what mm. would be different? Do you think? Wow, I guess just a small question. Everything would be different, <laughs> wouldn't it? I'm just thinking because it, it's so. If you were to operate at that level of awareness or consciousness for how interconnected, you know, our our sort of human health and well-being is with the o ocean's health and well-being, then it would just affect all our, our behaviors and decisions it'd be really a beautiful driver for making decisions if we could do it from from that kind of a mm. place um of understanding not only i guess you know i suppose it's again that interconnection of understanding um what the ocean can do for us and what we can do for mm. it um so yeah, I'd, be, I'd be curious because ultimately it's the ocean is the systems driver of the planet and it, you know, re it regulates uh, everything and provides us with oxygen, drives the weather patterns the, um, and is a food source and transport. And, and so it's sort of it's integral to so many facets of how we live. Um, it, it is actually kind of mind. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and, that, and exactly. And that feels like this just, yes, that's just really kind of it's just not well understood at all um yeah um, what do you when you look at sort of when you see glimpses of of possibility in this whole area of i mean obviously the work mm. you're doing um without doubt is is all active in this space but what is there anything else that you you could point us to or things that you've seen that you've just gone there's something about this or what, what where are the where are the sort of glimpses of of beauty and possibility in in this kind of whole area of ocean engagement and consciousness yeah um i well i think maybe what happens as well because of, of how the ocean is perceived as so separate and we have that separation of land and sea um I mean, it wasn't always there so i think it'd be good to have more of a think about it in terms of more as a system mm -hmm. too and as a water system if you go back to the water system and, and make that more alive because then I, I think it becomes much more um woven into our our landscape as well and and then into um 
and, and ourselves. So I think if we could play with that a lot more and expand even ocean literacy, it goes beyond the confines of the coast, yes. coastline. Because even like um, rivers, for instance, you know, are sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, for many of us, again, in, in cities, you know, they are really our, our pathway, our connection to the, to the ocean. Um, but even there and waterways and, you know, even there, there's, again, it sort of feels like we've sort of, for many of us, we've lost, we've lost that understanding, you know. Yeah, it's almost like we should. We all need to go on our own source to sea journey. <laughs> and if within our local area, like actually, what what if we could do that and did that in our own local catchment, and and followed um, a water body from source to sea? What would we learn? What would we learn about ourselves? Um, wow. That could be a really yeah, fun nice. fun approach. Yeah, um, so more of those kinds of journeys that combine. And like deepening our own understanding of who we are, but at the same time, that that connection to our environment um, is really important. Because I think a lot of, I guess, why I feel a bit like, oh, weary with the, or why sometimes it's hard to talk about that working on yourself is that it's so um, individualized um, and it loses out the importance of of community and connection. So I think that's where um, I suppose nature comes in as this incredible resource if we can. Not resource. I hear he's not word resource, I but any yeah. <laughs> part of who we are. Um, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, is that, I mean, that's an interesting point, though. But it is this whole idea, isn't it? I mean, it's off this phrase of kind of, um, you know, sort of self, community, the natural world. You know, you've got these three, these kind of three relationships. You know, those that are around us, the the, the place that's around us, and our own selves, and sort of you know finding a more this, you know, that makes up a system, right, in itself, or multiple systems, but it, it's, how do you work on all those different dimensions, I guess, is, is, um, is part of the, is part of the mission. Yeah, and, and how we see it, I suppose, of being much more, I like this idea of being, um, even when we think about sustainable development goals, how they're all nested within the, you know, say who we are is nested within say, our, our sense of community, which is nested within our local environment, which is, you know, sort of this idea of, um, yeah, of it being much more embedded that way, rather than these sort of three yeah, pillars. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, um, just sort of slightly just, beyond, I guess, you know, for you, you've grown up, I mean, you grew up, you know, on, on the Northwest coast of Ireland, right, right with the Atlantic Ocean there. And I guess with all, you know, I guess the places that we, we grow up in right they shape us um yeah and i guess that's also the other thing that i'm always you know slightly scratching my head around with some of the work that i'm doing around nature disconnection but in particular cities and mm-hmm. you know we're being shaped by these very constructed environments um and again yeah you know it just i guess it's just having to work harder to find these ways or you can see why the gaps are opening up right you can see why people are becoming more yeah. separated less conscious unaware because we're being shaped by environments that that are you know that aren't kind of thoughtful and alive and curious i know they've got their their own magic as well but do you know what i mean there's a this constant flux Mm. of it i guess that's why i'm interested in and particularly with oceans how to bring that how you know how we might how we can find different ways of of making those connections in in i guess in places which are um quite removed yeah and I, what I also really like, um, Ayanna Johnson, she sort of founded Ocean Collective, of which I am a member, just last year, and she's this marine biologist um, based in New York, and her big thing at the moment is this concept around urban mm. oceans, 
so it's amazing. She's doing incredible work with different organizations in you know, New York City and, and the Hudson Hudson Bay and Hudson River. Um, but we don't, often don't think of like most of like the, the world's sort of biggest cities um, are on, on the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really have that concept of urban ocean. Um, nice. I like so I really like that in terms of impact as well. I think like if creating change, that's where most of the world's people are too. Um, so if you could tap into into that, then yeah, you perhaps have a much, much greater impact. Um, yeah, yeah no, it's I, I should I should connect. And I know there's a project in London uh, that's been going on, uh, which is sort of uh, trying to coin this phrase, London mm. on sea, um, uh, and, and uh, which is actually again around sort of plastics, plastic pollutions, but trying to trying to help kind of Londoners sort of re reimagine that it, yeah we are yeah we are sort of on the sea as well, um, which feels uh, yeah which is which is absolutely right. Fascinating challenges ahead. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> I'm conscious of time. We could probably just keep, we could keep going, but um, um, what's, yeah. what, just tell me a little bit uh, for sort of coming to sort of closes, but like, like water this year, what's, what's, what, what, where's, mm. what's on this year? What are your focus areas? Um, I think, I guess the focus has been, I kind of really feel that like for 2018, the word that keeps coming up is is collaboration. So just discovering that there's this amazing kind of network of, of women out there with these really powerful stories of their own sort of water connection. So part of like water, there's a blog series kind of monthly called uh, Women Who Run With The Waves. Um, so it's really cool like lens and, and way to, to share that water connection and I suppose not just with the sea and not just surfing either um so more more of that more sort of bold and creative storytelling I think is is on the cards mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then this exploration around like um really digging more deeply into the metaphor of, of water and the sea and our bodies um so with this move like water workshop coming up as well uh, and of course I, I suppose with the wave maker collective um how um yeah how we can draw more upon like what we can learn from these systems and from the ocean and how how we can apply that uh, in in our in the work that we do and, and lives that we lead um that really excites me as well um so yeah how, how we make the intangible more real um and the ocean more seen and heard yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah that sounds like a, a rich a rich year ahead um well thank you Iski, for the for that that was that was an hour and a half. Didn't feel like it, did it? <laughs> no, um, it didn't like. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, just so, actually, final thing I was going to ask you. So, um, this, mm-hmm. this, I guess this, this, uh, this theme that I'm exploring is is of the spaceship Earth. And there's a great phrase of the spaceship Earth, which is, you know, there are no passengers on spaceship Earth. We're all crew. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I'm just curious, you know, when it, when we think about um, the ocean, and um, what 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 would be the shout out for people when it comes to the ocean, and when it comes to the, you know, if we're shouting out to the the crew of of, of people out there in the world, what, what should we we be inviting them to uh, to explore or or be curious about? Um, oh, that's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> um. Yeah, it'd be it'd be really cool to create more of a conversation around um, like I, what, what interest going back almost full circle. What interests me most is is how we connect um, with the sea and with the ocean. Um, yeah, so maybe 
I'm curious how people would see it in, in their own lives, like one way that I guess the ocean has an effect on them and who they are and how they live and maybe one way they could connect with it. Mm, nice. Excellent. Well, hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. It's what we come back to, isn't it? It's just, it, you know, this, this, the, that's the thing. It's um, it, it, in many ways, it's as simple as that, isn't it? We've just got to kind of open up, notice, <laughs> be, be, be more open to uh, what's probably happening right in front of us half the time. Um, yeah. But listen, um, thank you for uh, for taking the time out for this, and yeah. Um, Good luck with, uh, are, you, are you on the road at all right now or in the near future? I don't know, I'm kind of um, spending much more time at home, which is really lovely actually. Um, and it's like the best time of year to be here for surf. So yeah, <laughs> um, so there's less, less travel on, on the cards, um, hopefully less travel and uh, more presenting. But I was, had a conversation with a friend the other day about that, about this sort of just how grounding it's felt to spend more time um, being in one place and being, this sense of, of home, I suppose, and exploring what that means, but also how you know, I think Ireland is, is home for me, you know, and it's something you know, also being on an island, um, you do need to travel every now and again as well, because <laughs> as my friend said, the centre doesn't always come to you then, you have to go out, but it, it also lends itself to shifting perspectives and, and coming back with fresh insights, so there's that lovely exchange, I feel. Um, but at the moment, yeah, I've been in this place almost like having this sort of resistance to moving too far, which is unusual. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> um, but I'm sure that will change. Yeah, <laughs> but I've just, I've just discovered that it's quite an auspicious day to record the podcast because it's Virginia Woolf's birthday. Ah. Um, yeah, so it's quite fitting, I felt. Apparently, she's 100, she'd be 136 years old now, or 136 wow. years since she was born. Yeah. Wow. Um, just one of her, her quotes kind of come to mind of what we're, we're talking about here in a way of how, you know, the way we see things and how we shift perspective. And one of her quotes is, um, you see things and you say, why? Uh, but I dream things that never were and say, why not? Mm. So, yeah, we need to maybe a bit more. Why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, why not? Yeah, why that's not? A, that's, a, that's a hashtag if there's ever yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <Virginia. laughs> Thank you so much, Eastie. Mm -hmm, um, but Brilliant. and then I'll obviously be in touch uh, with with the wave the wave maker, and um, really look forward to seeing you in the real world. I know, goodness, <laughs> yeah, actually, to connect in person. Yes. <laughs> Heavens forbid. Um, yeah. yeah, no, That'd fantastic. Really looking forward. Look, take, take thanks, e so, yeah, thanks so much for all your time and for for um, reaching out and making this happen. Though. Oh, it's great. It's quite brilliant. Fantastic. Thanks. Dan. All right, speak okay. to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah. Cheers. Bye bye. So there we go, folks. I really hope you enjoyed that. Do check out more of Eski's work um, at eskibritain.com and um, definitely jump in the water more often if you can. If you want to get hold of me, uh, hit me up, dan at danburgess.earth. And remember, folks. There are no passengers on Spaceship Earth. We are all crew. Until next time, peace and out. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth with Dan Burgess.